welcome to the True Tabernacle podcast channel. We hope that you find encouragement and inspiration during one of our sermons, discussions, or interviews. For more information regarding our faith community, connect with us on Facebook at our True Tabernacle page. And while you're at it, hit subscribe to this channel to stay connected. Today we are talking about gracious communication. Everybody say gracious communication. Uh, Communication. When I think of communication, the first thing I think of is talking. Um, But that's not actually all of communication. Uh, According to some scientist people, only 7% of communication is the words that we say. Uh, 38% is uh, the way we say the words, and then 55% is uh, our facial expressions we make while we're saying those words. So communication is a lot of stuff, and we're going to talk about how to do it graciously today. Uh, We're going to, uh, let's pray and we'll see, and then we'll start this video. Thank you, Jesus, for Another opportunity to be in this place, a chance to come, gather with like-minded believers, praise, worship, think about you, talk about you, learn about you, get closer to you, Lord. I ask that you would continue to help us as we go through this Bible study, Lord, continue to grow into the best Christians we can be. In Jesus' name, amen. Please be seated. first-generation apostolic who grew up in a military family. Um, Communication in our house was do as I say, not as I do. We followed the rules. We made sure our beds were made perfectly, and that was really the extent of communication. Um, But when I got in church, I was so, so blessed to have a wonderful pastor and first lady whose ministry was built on the Word of God, training leaders, and these two things. You can never over-communicate and don't assume, but be intentional. Uh, Through them, kind of the unhealthy behaviors I had learned as a child and a uh, preteen, I got in church at the age of 13, um, were kind of, God used them to help me kind of overcome those negative communication habits. Um, I learned to confront conflict in a healthy way. I was used to in my home, there being a bunch of yelling and we left a lot of things unsaid and you just assumed a lot. Um, But through Pastor and Sister Blandon, I learned how to ask questions to confront um, tough issues, tough conversations, to listen. Um, Because people think communication is just talking, but it's also listening. Learning how to be an effective listener, um, and that leads to being an effective leader. Um, I learned through them that communication 
is how God formed the world. And not only that, communication has the power to bring life and death into situations. So as Christians, it's imperative that we learn how to communicate effectively um, and speak life to other people and learn to listen to them um, and to learn to communicate with them effectively. I'll be honest and say that working through some of those things with Pastor and Sister Blandon were so tough, but I learned to love communicating God's way so much so that I went to school and got two degrees in communication um, because I understood how powerful it was and how needed healthy communication is in the body of Christ. When you have people who know how to communicate effectively, that breeds an environment for um, healthy communication. Healthy communication breeds healthy people. Healthy people bring healthy and whole relationships and healthy relationships build a healthy church. Um, I'm just so grateful for God's grace and his um, wisdom, you know, his infinite wisdom with us that he has so much patience with us and he knows uh, what we need. And uh, God knew that I needed my pastor and his wife to teach me how to communicate God's way. And now as a leader in ministry, um, especially where I work with students, I am teaching them to be effective communicators so that they in turn can build healthy churches and minister to people in healthy ways. And I think uh, another thing uh, that is imperative to know is that we can never perfect the art of communication. Even though I have degrees in communication, I still struggle to communicate effectively. Um, a recent example is uh, my boss and I had a little disagreement um, and for about a week and a half, I didn't really say anything to her and she knew that there was something was wrong um, because when something's wrong with me, I normally stop communicating. So that's how you know. Um, but um, the Lord just helped me uh, through some time of prayer and through a two and a half hour long conversation with her to kind of sort through the issues that we were having. Um, you know, she shared with me her feelings. I was able to share mine. We both heard one another out and we left that meeting feeling much better. So you'll never be perfect, but the key is to strive to be better. The testimony we've just heard reminds us that communication is not easy, but it is so important. And as disciples who are committed to spiritual and personal growth, we must also commit ourselves to healthy, gracious communication. Because when we do this, God helps us demonstrate his love to others and to build strong relationships. Today, we're going to take some time to look to God's word and learn what it has to say about this foundational element of our spiritual lives. We will discuss how we can reflect the love of God to others through our tone when we speak through our willingness to listen to others, and also through being gracious even in moments of conflict. It's time now to look to God's word and discuss it together. Feel free today to ask questions throughout this time of discussion, and after this session is over, I encourage you to go home and spend some time this week in prayer and take some time to review the Bible passages that are listed in your participant's guide. God bless you today as you reflect his grace to others in all of your communication. Amen. Um, so, before we kick off, real quick question, you just have to raise your hand or don't raise your hand. Uh, do you consider yourself to be a good communicator? Who thinks they're good at communicating? Okay, a few people. Who's like, ah, uh, not so much? It's probably me. If there was a way to just like, I could project the picture in my mind, I would do that. But... All right, so if you're on that first page, um, we probably won't do any turn and talks, but we will do some blurred outs probably at some point. Uh, that top paragraph with the fill in the blank, uh, this first part.
part is the challenge of communication. And um, just based on that quick raising of the hand poll, um, communication is something that we have to work on, right? Have to get better at. Uh, so in that first paragraph, it says, in response to God's work of transformation, we want to reflect his, and that first blank is love to others. Yet we live in a world of broken people, and we are still human, which makes communication challenging. We need God's grace, as that's first on that last line, and guidance. So grace and guidance in those last two blanks in all our communications. Has anybody ever had a miscommunication? Yeah. Yeah. Anybody ever had a miscommunication with someone you've communicated with for a long time? Yeah, it happens. Uh, so we, communicating is hard, all right? Um, and we need to make sure that we are relying on God to help us in our communication with others. Communication is a powerful tool, and all of our relationships are built on the foundation of communication. And if we're not doing it right, sometimes our destroyed relationships are destroyed because of our communication. Communicating, not very easy for most people. Whether you think you're an extrovert or an introvert, miscommunications happen all the time. Face-to-face -face communication is tough enough. Uh, even you can look at a person, you can read their nonverbal cues, their facial expressions, if they're moving their hands a lot. Uh, all those things are supposed to help us, but it's still tough when we're face-to-face. -face. But now, in 2022, when we have all these electronic ways to communicate where you can't see people, you can text them, email, communication and miscommunication are at an all-time high. But if we can remember and follow a few things that Paul tells us in the Bible about communication, we probably still won't avoid all of our miscommunications, but we can make sure that if we do have a miscommunication, our godly witness and our character stays undamaged when we have those miscommunications. So our first scripture is in Ephesians 4.29, and it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. So, what kind of words should we avoid according to Ephesians 4.29? Corrupt. So if you're reading the KJV, the King James Version, corrupt is the word they use. It means to change from good morals to bad morals, to degrade or to become rotten. If you're reading the ESV, it uses the word corrupting, which means we can cause other people to change with our hurtful words. And the NIV uses unwholesome, which is one of pastor's favorite words whenever we're out to eat and a song comes on. If you tap your fingers too much, he's like, is that, is that wholesome? You got to watch that. I don't know if that's wholesome. Um, so for question number one, corrupt is what we should avoid. Question number two what are our words good for? And that is edifying. So edifying is a very fancy way to say we're correct, correcting and strengthening someone. So we're helping people improve, building people up instead of tearing them down. 
Um, I actually remember, uh, this was a very random memory from my childhood, but we were downstairs, uh, and Mike Lyon was teaching our class on a Wednesday, and he had this balloon, and he was blowing this balloon up, and when you blow the balloon up, this is when you're edifying people, and they're getting pumped up, and the balloon's getting bigger, but it took a few breaths, right, to blow up a balloon, Uh, and then he made this point, like, you can pop this balloon with just one bad word, one harsh thing you said to somebody just real quick and easy all that work you did to blow that balloon up and then boom it's gone Um, and that's just one of those things I've never forgot but it's really easy to lose what we've built with somebody based on a very few short words a very ill worded text or email Uh, so edifying is what our words should be used for because that is what our words are good for question three What can we impart through our communication? So why should we be careful of the words that come out of our mouth is basically what I took this question to mean. Um, And that is because we are ministering grace to the hearers. We are giving them grace that's been given to us. The things we say reflect the God we serve. When people hear us talk, they should be drawn to God. They should want to know more about who God is because of us. Um, If we don't use our words the correct way, we can repel them, not only from us, but from God. We've all heard a horror story or two about how this person at this church was mean to so-and-so, and now they're done with all of church. Our words should be ministering grace, which we're giving grace to other people, because grace has been given to us Um, So they should encounter Jesus because Jesus dwells in us, right? Question four, why are our words difficult to control? So this is where they switch over to James 3, 8. uh, And I'm just going to read James 3, 8, even though it says James 3, 8 through 10. So it says, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Our tongue is difficult to control because it truly reflects what's inside of our heart. Luke 6.45 lets us know that the good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. And the evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which his heart, that which fills his heart. So we might be able to trick people dressing up. Um, We can trick people with our attendance, but when we start to open our mouth and we start to talk and share things, that's when the truth comes out. That's when who we are is exposed. Um, What is in the inside of us will always come out. So if you have Jesus on the inside, Jesus will come out when you communicate. If he's not in there, people will be able to know very quickly. We can't tame our tongue on our own either, okay? It is a fleshly thing. uh, But when we follow that plan of salvation, of repenting, being baptized, receiving the Holy Ghost, uh, Jesus can dwell in us, and then we can lean on his power to help us control our tongue and the things that we say. Communication is important because it has the ability to be really good or really evil. James uses a few analogies um, in chapter 3. 
He uses the analogy of the bit in a horse's mouth, and he uses the analogy of the rudder on a ship. Um, both the bit in the horse's mouth and the rudder are relatively small things compared to everything else. They're not big objects, but without them, the horse and the boat are uncontrollable. You can't steer them, can't tell them which way to go, uh, and our tongue is just like that, okay? If we don't have something controlling us, and that would be Jesus, we will be going wherever our flesh takes us. So, what we say matters, and we must be able to control what comes out of our mouths. Matthew 12, 36 even tells us that we'll be held accountable when we get to heaven for every idle word that we speak. So, what we say is important. Uh, that second section, principles for godly communication. So, knowing that what we say matters, we ought to have some sort of guidelines for communication. Uh, that paragraph at the top, our testimony is enhanced when our communication is characterized by a gracious and appealing tone. So that first blank is gracious, second blank is appealing. As Christians growing in God's grace and seeking to deepen our relationship with him, we should be intentional in engaging in communication that honors God. So that last blank would be honors. So first blank, blank, gracious. Second blank, appealing. Third blank, honors. Colossians 4, 6 says, Let your speech be always with grace and seasoned with salt, that ye may know how ye ought to answer every man. So our communication should be accompanied with grace, okay, grace, and then our second question, our speech should always be seasoned with what? Seasoned with salt. So grace and salt should always be present when we speak or communicate. We've talked about grace before and how grace is God's unconditional love towards us, even though we've never done anything to deserve it. Um, and when we talk to people, we should be giving them that same thing, love, grace, even though they don't deserve it. Um, and they might, but sometimes they don't, and you should still give it to them. Uh, we should be reflecting love to them, um, whether we think it or not, or whether they think it or not. Paul also says that our speech should be seasoned with salt, and we use salt in our food for a bunch of different reasons. But the main one is because it enhances the flavor. We use the salt because it makes things taste good. Okay? Any salt fans in here? Yes. Salt all the time. Um, when we speak to people, we need to make sure that what we're saying is tasting good to their ears, right? Um, we should make sure that our Christian witness is more appealing. So how do we do that? Proverbs 15 and 1 says... We can do this with soft answers to turn away wrath. Now, a couple things to notice. It doesn't say you should lie to turn away wrath. It doesn't say you should dumb it down to turn away wrath or water it down or switch a few spots. It says to just give them a soft answer to turn away wrath. Um, we, don't, we need to make sure we're using, we like to, I like to tell the kids, you got to use your inside voice when you're inside. 
okay? Make sure you're talking to them nicely, okay? Don't have your very harsh tone and inflection on. Romans 12 also tells us that we can add salt to our communication by blessing those that persecute us. Rejoice with those rejoicing and weeping with those that weep. So if someone's having a hard time, it's okay to just sit next to them and tell them it's okay to have a hard time. You don't have to change the time for them. Sometimes it's okay to just weep when someone's weeping, right? Someone's having a good time. You don't have to rain on their parade either. Just let them have a good time, okay? So what kind of communication do you think reflects that our lives have been transformed by God? And then I wrote, what kind of communication hinders our reflection of what God has done in our lives? So the answer to that is gracious communication shows us um, the way to reflect that God has changed our lives, right? Uh, having grace, gracious communication, which is a fancy way to say grace-filled communication, being nice, showing love to people that might not deserve it, uh, giving people the benefit of the doubt. And then that fourth question, what kind of communication hinders our relationship or hinders our reflection of what God has done for our lives? Uh, and that would be things like being a mean, negative person to people, uh, gossiping, which when I was a kid, I would tell people, it's not gossip. This is a true story, um, <laughs> which is pro still gossip. Um, I don't know where I picked that up at, but gossip, whether it's a true story or not, is still gossip. Uh, Ephesians 4.31, if your communication is bitter, full of wrath, anger, clamor, or evil speaking, those things will hinder us from reflecting God to other people. So we want to make sure that when we talk to people, when we communicate with other people, we are reflecting God and what he's done in our lives and how great he's been to us, okay? We don't want anybody to think less of God because of something that we have done. That third section, the other side of communication. So communication is not just the one-way act of speaking, is that paragraph at the top. And a commitment to gracious communication should prompt us to evaluate the way we listen, is that first blank, to others. We can reflect God's grace when we offer others support and understanding by listening. So the three blanks, first one was listen, second one was support, and the third one was understanding. So earlier we raised our hands if you thought you were a good communicator. Raise, I want to see a hand raise if you think you're a good listener. I think I'm a really good listener. I listen the socks off people. I've got good listening faces too. Like, that's, that's just one of them. Uh, Proverbs 18, 2 and 13 uh, talks a little bit about listening. Verse 2 says, a fool hath no delight in understanding, but that his heart may discover itself. Then verse 13 says, He that answereth a matter before he heareth it, it is a folly and shame unto him. So the fool has no delight in understanding. 
They're a fool. They're not interested in understanding what you're saying. Question two of the fool is concerned with what? Expressing what? Expressing his own opinion. Okay? They'd rather you know what they think instead of knowing what you're talking about. They're not listening and understanding. They're just listening so they can get to the part where they talk. Question three, if an answer is formed before the matter is heard, it results in what? And that would be a folly and a shame to the person who is answering too fast. So if you are answering something before you get to the question, you are a folly and a shame. So how can we show others grace through listening? And the answer is by listening. Okay, focusing on the things being said to us so we can understand what that person is trying to tell us. We're not listening so that we can have a response or a rebuttal. In the Facebook, social media era, that is what we do. We listen long enough to come up with an attack plan and then we attack. But what we're supposed to do is listen, understand what the person is saying so that you can understand what the person is saying. That's what listening is. And sometimes, I must admit, I have a bad habit of doing this. Um, my wife is downstairs, but she would definitely testify to this. Um, sometimes she'll tell me a story, and I'm like, all right, here's what we should do. X, Y, Z, problem solved, let's move on to the next thing. And she's like, I, I'm not asking you to give me the solution to this problem. I want you to listen to what I'm telling you. So sometimes when people are talking to us, they're just looking for support. Uh, and it took me, we'll be married six years on Friday. It took me six years to kind of almost figure that out. Okay? Sometimes people don't want your answer, your solution, your opinion to the problem. They want you to hear them. They want you to weep while they weep. Rejoice while they rejoice, right? Sometimes that's also what grace looks like in a real-life setting. We're giving them grace by listening to them, letting them have their time to share. So part four, communication through conflict. I'm going to do this hand raise thing one more time. Who thinks they're good at conflict? Because I am not. Uh, I don't want to say too much, but... These kids at school and their parents are, whoo, I'm not good at conflict anymore. Uh, so on part four, that top paragraph, part of our commitment to grow in our relationship with God and be led by his spirit involves analyzing our relationships with others. That first blank is conflict may be inevitable in these relationships, but with God's help, we can learn to navigate conflict in a gracious way. Delayed resolution of conflicts provides an opportunity to the devil who seeks to destroy every good relationship in our lives, but communication helps us find solutions. So that first blank, conflict. Second blank is devil. And that third blank is destroy. So conflict, devil, destroy. Ephesians 4, 26, 27 says, Be angry and sin not. 
Let not the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. And then if you read 31, 32, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. So, what are we supposed to do when we get angry? We're supposed to not sin. Okay? The second question, the sun should not go down on what? On your wrath. Or as my mom used to say, don't go to bed angry. We're allowed to have emotions. Okay? Tyler talked about it last week, last Wednesday. Uh, The thing we shouldn't do is let our emotions lead us to sinning. The commentary for this verse, if you have the Apostolic Study Bible, uh, makes a good point when it says, anger has a shelf life, and that once that expires, it morphs into sin. So your anger, if you hold on to it too long, will morph into bitterness, or it'll morph into you acting out of anger. So we have to know when to let go of our anger so that we're not holding on to it too long. Question three, who benefits if we do not resolve our conflicts in a timely manner? And that would be from verse 27. We need to let go of anger because the only person who benefits is who? The devil, okay? When our anger starts to turn into something else, the devil is the one that is winning. Sometimes when we wait for issues to resolve themselves, things only get worse. Okay, we need to always try to be on the offensive side of that, trying to resolve issues as best as we can in a quick and timely manner so that we aren't holding on to anger. Some people will be mad at somebody for years, and they'll forget what they were mad about at the original part, and they'll just be mad. So we need to make sure that we're resolving those issues, uh, especially if we're having issues like that at a church. If you've wronged someone, admit it. Make up for it. Do what you're supposed to do. If someone has wronged you, don't run around holding that grudge. Okay? Let them know how you feel. Try to get that resolution as quickly as you can. And then whether you get the resolution or not, it's probably time to move on. Okay? Question four, how are we supposed to forgive one another? And since we're not supposed to hold on to our anger, what do we do with it? The answer is to forgive the person you are angry with. Even when it's sometimes hard, we're supposed to forgive people. Okay, why are we supposed to forgive people? Because God forgave us. Okay, he hung on that cross for us. We didn't deserve it. He knew we would sin, and he still did it, okay? We've been forgiven, so we should be forgiving. Uh, There's also a list of five ground rules in the study uh, for how to practically handle the conflict in a biblical way. Um, The first thing is to keep it private. Handle your conflict with the people involved. Everybody doesn't need to be involved. Number two, control the volume and the tone 
when confronting someone. Try to keep it as casual and as calm as possible. Okay, so volume will be how loud your voice is, and the tone is like the way you say something. So if I say, that's cool, that's more of a positive one. But if I'm like, that's real cool, not a good tone, right? So we got to control that tone. Uh, the third one is, if you're in a conflict and you're trying to resolve it, is to don't attack the people, whether it's physical or verbal, okay? If you're trying to get a resolution, don't make new problems, okay? You don't need to attack anybody or say mean things about them. Uh, fourth, don't let the conflict remain unresolved. We've talked about that. And then the fifth one, when you're trying to resolve something, don't keep bringing up old stuff, okay? Don't bring up old issues and don't create new issues uh, while you're trying to get rid of and work on these current issues, right? Uh, so I'm going to close right here. Uh, if it hasn't been clear, if you want to stand, you can. We're getting ready to pray this thing out. Uh, communication is important. You can show the grace of God to people through the way you can communicate. Okay? There's power in your tongue. There's power of life, power of death. Okay? What you say matters. It can be used for good to help people draw closer to God. Or it could be used for evil to push people away from God, the church, and ultimately heaven. So we need to make sure that we're communicating graciously, which means communicating in a way that's filled with grace, that undeserved love that only comes from God. Amen? Yes. All right. Thank you, Jesus, for another opportunity to be in here. Thank you for uh, the opportunity to gather together with like-minded believers. Help us to continue to communicate graciously with all the people we encounter, whether they're in the church, out of church, uh, to be the best possible witness we can for you. Thank you for another opportunity. Continue to put us in the path of people that need you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.